Hey there, 613 Golfers. It is great to have you back for another episode of 613 Golfer Podcast. Once again, I am your host, Jeff Bonner, publisher of Flagstick Golf Magazine. And I got to tell you, it was great to make it through that first kickoff episode last week. I couldn't be happier with how everything turned out. The, the number of people that downloaded the podcast uh, through audio, the number of views that we received on YouTube, uh, meet or exceeded my expectations for a, for a launch uh, podcast. Um, seriously, it was a whole lot of fun. Uh, I couldn't have imagined how much fun it would be to be back in front of a mic um, and, uh, and in front of a camera talking golf uh, with everybody in the 613. I'm glad to be back here again this week and doing it all over again. Um, we have a great podcast lined up for this episode of 613 Golfer. Uh, a bit later in the show, we're going to talk junior golf with the founder and brains behind Play Junior Golf Tour, Chris Veldkamp. But before we get to that, um, I think after 45 years, most people know the Canadian Golf Club in Ottawa's West End. 27 holes, amazing practice facility, stunning clubhouse, absolutely outstanding patio setup for anybody that's ever been at or hosted an event out there. Uh, exceptional service. However, what I want to talk about has nothing specifically to do with the golf portion of what their operation is out there. What I want to talk about uh, with the respect to the Canadian Golf Club, is the retail side um, and what they've done out there from a retail perspective to enhance uh, the options that are available to golfers, not only in the 613, but throughout the country. So let me bring on my first guest, my good friend, Director of Golf Operations and Absolute Retail Genius, Lee Tamborano. Welcome to the show, Lee. It's great to have Thanks, you. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, awesome. buddy. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's great to have you. I'm glad that after after I finally get one episode in, that the very next episode I get to have you on. And the timing of it is impeccable. And the reason the timing is impeccable, because at this exact moment, last, uh, last year, we would have been finishing a golf expo, right. not, not starting one, so to speak. Um, and we'd probably be sitting in a booth at BR enjoying ourselves a nice steaming hot bowl of potato soup oh i miss those days jeff i miss those days oh, my gosh it's been a very long time since i've actually been into a restaurant but i was just i was i broke open a can of campbell's the other day and uh, i added some bacon to it and i tried but it just it didn't work out it wasn't the same the bacon uh potato soup at baton rouge is unmatched let's be honest you just can't beat it not There's at all. no use trying. Nope. <laughs> nope. Um, so Lee, uh, what I want to talk about with you today, and I made reference in the, uh, as I brought you on about how the Canadian golf club is, is well known for, for what it's well known for. It's a, it's a great facility, great golf course. Lots of changes have happened to the facility, the, the golf course itself over the years, the practice facility is, is top level service has always been top level, but what I want to speak about is, is the retail side and particularly you joined the Canadian. Now just give me a, give me a reference. How long ago has it been uh, when you joined the Canadian? When did you join the Canadian? Nine years, nine years. So yeah. nine years ago, you made the switch from, from big box retail management uh, to going back to your roots as a PGA of Canada golf professional at the Canadian golf and country club. At what point during your time, switching back over to, to golf course, did you think that there was an opportunity to exploit the uh, retail side of things a little bit more? 
Well, that's a great question. I'll, I'll explain it in this way. There's a big difference between working retail and working at a golf course, and both sides of the equation have their benefits. Uh, but I started off on the green grass side at a golf course because I love the game of golf and I loved being connected to the game of golf, uh, being uh, having the course accessible to me uh, and being able to be outside and experience that environment. And that was one of the big reasons I left big box retail because I thought, you know, I'm missing the connection with the actual game of golf. Yes, I'm connected with the equipment side, but I'm missing the connection with the game of golf, the people and helping them improve their golf game. Uh, and when I made the move over, uh, I joined the Canadian because there was an opportunity as I saw it to take some of the tools that I had acquired at the big box retailer and bring them to the golf course in order to um, expand the offerings available at Greengrass and to bring some of the best practices on the big box retail, which big box retail at that time was killing it in every industry. Big box retail was where retail was going in Canada, in North America, and in the world pre-COVID. Uh, and so there are a lot of uh, incredible, I would say, uh, skills and features and uh, developments that working in big box uh, had brought to the retail game that was missing at the pro shop level. And part of that is understanding your customer and making sure that you're carrying products that are maybe outside of the normal balls, gloves, shoes, apparel. Uh, golfers are demanding a variety of products because they're available in the marketplace and they want to be able to access some of those products in your pro shop. And so when I made the move over, it occurred to me that there were products that most golf courses weren't carrying in the pro shop that I knew were very popular in big box retail and had a space in our pro shop. And so initially we started bringing in some of those products. I also knew that golf balls are a commodity and drive business. And yes, you can get golf balls at your golf course. And typically you might be able to get one or two brands. And we expanded our catalog of available golf balls at the golf course in order to make sure that we had something for everyone. Um, and so by adding popular products to our pro shop that you wouldn't normally find in a pro shop because it wasn't on typically the pro shop manager's radar. And then by expanding the catalog of golf balls and understanding the technology in golf balls, uh, we started to see growth on the pro shop retail side. In addition to that, we host a lot of events in a normal, in a normal year. And a lot of events would come and they would bring golfer gifts not purchased from our pro shop. And so that was a big opportunity for us, given we do so many tournament rounds to help uh, tournament organizers access products that their players are going to love. Because at the end of the day, it needs to be a golfer gift that uh, is related to the golfers in your event. And it's gotta be something that they love and it's gotta be great value. And we were able to source products that were that uh, Titleist and Callaway and TaylorMade, the big vendors of the world, offered rather than going to like a promotional product supplier. And so the quality of products that players were getting were better. They were golf specific and they were brand name products, which was a, a significant improvement over what a lot of the events were getting where they would be getting, you know, mugs or non-branded product. And so we improved the quality of those products and the branding of those products. And that's kind of what we did in year one. We realized that there were products that were missing from the normal green grass retail. 
we thought we could bring those in and offer them to golfers. And we had pretty good success in year one, year two, year three. From a corporate standpoint, I mean, you and I, you've done the T-markers for the Flagstick Open. You've done the flags for the Flagstick Open. So there's clearly another side, uh, you know, number of different sides to the retail side of what the Canadian Golf uh, Club does. Um, and you've clearly recognized from a retail perspective that there, there was a market for something different and something unique coming from green grass, which is for the, for people listening, for people watching, it's not normal necessarily. There are other retailers that are green grass shops that do it, but it's, it's not normal to go to the extent that the Canadian has gone whereby creating um, not just a place where you can go to canadiangolfclub.com and buy, you know, from the, uh, from the online shop. This is the Canadian golf club has transformed into two sides, more or less. You've taken, you've transformed from just the golf club, which, which is, you know, at the upper level of golf clubs in this, in this region, for sure. Um, to a second side, which is Canadian, uh, um, pro shop online. Um, and that's another, that's another animal into itself. And the growth of that has been crazy ridiculous. So let's step forward to where we are today. And was there a specific point during the time where you were growing the retail side of things through green grass? Was there a specific point where you felt, Hey, wait a second. We, we don't need to just be the Canadian golf club, uh, doing our corporate sales and providing for tournaments and having a retail shop and, in and selling a little bit here and there online. We can, we could be a big player and we don't need brick and mortar to do it. Well, I mean, that's a great comment. I think, I think a, a large part of our success and growth has been the relationship we've been able to create with our vendors. And that would be kind of the big vendors, right? Callaway, Titleist, TaylorMade, Ping, Mizuno, et cetera. Uh, we forged those relationships. One, I forged them on the big box retail side because I worked with them. I, I attended conferences with them and I knew a lot of the folks and decision makers. And then as we moved and started to expand at the retail uh, and corporate level at, this, at our shop, uh, we were doing more volume of business and we were continuing to solidify those relationships. What was missing uh, at the pro shop level was the ability to carry a large variety of products that I knew from my experience customers wanted and couldn't get online. And that was the big kind of mandate to move to e-commerce. I noticed that there was a niche uh, that was being unfulfilled uh, in the e-commerce world of products that I know customers loved and I knew that they would want, but they couldn't access. And our, I mean, we're Canada, right? So a big percentage of the population has access to a big box retailer within, let's say an hour's drive but an even bigger percentage don't. And so uh, the golfers uh, located rurally across the country or those who didn't want to drive to the nearest big box, big box retail, they needed to be serviced with those products that weren't available in the e-commerce world. And that was where we started. We found products that were not out, were, were not out on the marketplace uh, in e-commerce and we sourced those products and we provided those products. And then we went to differentiate ourselves by further offering a large variety of options with existing golf clubs. You could buy in the early days, a uh, driver, a tailor-made driver, right hand, nine and a half degree stiff. But you couldn't buy a tailor-made driver, nine and a half degree stiff, minus one half inch with a CP2 bro uh, blue uh, grip, uh, an extra wrap of tape under the right hand, 
uh, you just couldn't do that. And so we really started to expand our catalog of products and really provide every possible scenario and every possible custom option available out there uh, for those products. And that's kind of how we started to grow the business. Well, it's no, it's been no surprise, no shock to me that you've been able to do that. We've known each other for a number of years. I knew you when we were in big box retail and, um, and we had numerous conversations about from a retail perspective, how things needed to go, uh, what you needed to do to better market the facilities. And I guess that's the other layer of what you're doing with Canadian Golf Pro Shop Online is now correct. Sorry, am I getting the URL correct? Sometimes. Okay, what is it exactly? Let's say what it is exactly, because I want people to know and I don't want to screw it up. Sure, it's CanadianProShopOnline.com. All right, Canadian Pro Shop Online. So with respect to the second, then the next layer of that is, yes, you have the retail uh, online. Yes, you have the products. Yes, you have the customization. From a marketing perspective, you've done, you've done a fantastic job of, of reaching your audience on so many different platforms. So what, what do you do or what, what is it that, how did you teach yourself to be able to do this? Because it's not something that you, you have a marketing background, but it's not something that, um, that's just, you know, that you've read, had readily available in the back of your mind. How to do, you had to teach yourself. You taught yourself, much like I've taught myself how to do a podcast and how I've taught myself to do video editing, as we talked about before, but you taught yourself how to do all of this, building the website and, and all that. So tell me a little bit about that. Sure. Well, I, that's great that you recognize all of the hard work I've put in to developing this site. But in all honesty, it was, uh, it was a little bit of trial and error. It was a lot of reading. It was uh, patience uh, from my colleagues as we, uh, we struck out on this adventure. And uh, it was finding ways to, unique, to uniquely promote the site without having to spend a lot of dollars, because to be frank, we didn't. We didn't know where this was going to take us. We, we were a little bit risk averse at spending tens of thousands of dollars a month to do the marketing necessary to drive eyeballs. So essentially it was guerrilla marketing. It was out there communicating in uh, blogs and forums across the country. It was posting uh, content and information and opportunities anywhere I could across the country. It was staying within our sandbox. So focusing on Canada only and making sure that we were providing content and uh, providing offers and links across the country. Since we were able to grow it, now we've scaled to a point where it's a big animal. I mean, there's myself and Matt and Matt 2.0. We have two Matts and Jane <laughs> and Danielle and Andrew and Tarek. Uh, we've got a, a great staff here and we're looking to hire more to support what we've been able to do. And we all work a, uh, a lot of hours, uh, but we're also very proud and focused of what we've been able to do. Uh, now we are investing a little bit more uh, on marketing, but I would say as a percentage of our sales is quite low because we still are out there having conversations with you uh, and doing uh, guerrilla marketing to make sure that we're at the top of mind. And we've had tremendous support from our, our partners at, you know, Titleist and Adidas and Callaway and Ping and Mizuno and uh, Cobra, uh, among others. And um, we are reaching out to new uh, companies uh, to make their product the key component of what we're doing as we move forward because you know there's six million golfers in Canada and um, there are products out there that are amazing products that will hopefully help them play better golf and transform their game 
and we want to make sure that we're finding those products, sourcing those products and making them available regardless of where you live in the country. It's been pretty exciting, to be honest. And certainly COVID has driven uh, increased interest in e-commerce and we have uh, embraced that. Absolutely. And it has accelerated our growth. But what also it has done is it has it has expanded the most important part of our business, which is our customers. I mean, Canadian golfers, they're the best. They're just the best. They're easy to deal with. We love having conversations with them. We love having chats with them. They're patients because uh, with COVID, there have been some supply chain issues with every vendor and they've been patient and uh, understanding and we are communicate, communicating with them regularly. But uh, we have embraced the, the customer base here in the country and thankfully they've embraced us and we're just continuing to do what we can to, to offer cool products to them. And, uh, and we're really excited about what, about what we've been able to do and we're excited to, to move it forward and, and continue to grow. One of the things, uh, Lee, that is um, 100% clear to me, and I know that it's coming across, it has to be coming across to, uh, to all of our listeners and, and all of our viewers on YouTube, is the enthusiasm that you have for what you do. And I think that that speaks volumes to why what you're doing has been successful. And I think in my mind, and, I, and I'm pretty sure everyone else would probably agree with me, that it will continue to be successful. It will continue to grow because of the people that you have working with you, the opportunities that you've been given by uh, ownership to be able to do what you're doing. And uh, most importantly, for what you are doing and what you bring to the table to be able to make that happen. So congratulations on the success that the Canadian has had with its online pro shop. Uh, again, give us the URL so that everybody knows and uh, we'll pop it up on the screen there too on YouTube. So give us that URL one more time. Sure. It's uh, canadianproshoponline.com. If you haven't checked it out, stop by and check it out. I think you'll be impressed. Uh, we're always improving it, always getting better. And there are new products. Honestly, Jane is working her butt off at getting new products up on a daily basis, new products that you probably won't find anywhere else, as well as products that you're probably hungry to see and test and buy. So yeah, uh, please stop by for a visit. We'd love to have you. We'd love to welcome you to the Canadian Pro Shop Online family of customers. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Lee, for doing this. And with that hunger metaphor in there, I can't wait till we can sit down at BR and have some potato soup and some good riveting conversation. Thanks again for doing this, buddy. Take care. Looking forward to it. I always love the uh, the conversations that I have with Lee. Um, we've had uh, numerous times over the years in, enjoying uh, lunch or a coffee and just and just talking golf and Lee's one of those guys that you can just sit down and talk golf he's a student of the industry uh, not so much just a student of the game studying the golf swing and stuff like that he is a PG of Canada pro so he does teach and but his his passion is for what he's doing now um, and uh, and it's always a great thing for me to get and to sit down and talk to Lee just about golf it's a lot of fun and Lee's been very fortunate also to uh, benefit from having an owner like Mark Seabrook at the Canadian that has given him the opportunity uh, to pursue this goal of building the Canadian golf pro shop uh, to something um, different than just a green grass pro shop. Um, he's not the only golf pro shop uh, in the country at a golf course that does, you know, that does online, um, you know, retail sales, but he certainly is 
one of the biggest and uh, considered to be probably the second largest uh, online golf retailer in the country. So um, good on them for what they're doing out there. Lee and the staff out there do an amazing job and uh, congratulations to them and, and much more success moving forward. Um, one of the things that, that, uh, that I'm very passionate about is junior golf. Uh, yes, I do have young kids, but my passion for junior golf has gone, goes back a lot further than just, um, my young kids, um, and seeing the grow, seeing the future of our game grow, um, bottom line is no juniors, no growth. And my next guest shares that passion and has turned that into opportunities for juniors to play golf and, uh, play competitive golf and, and in a fun environment, but, but also in an environment that, uh, that makes them feel like they're part of something bigger. Uh, so I'd like to welcome Chris Veltkamp, founder of Play Golf, uh, Play Junior Golf Tour, uh, to the show. Chris, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm good, Jeff. You? I'm wonderful. Well, awesome. It's exciting. Uh, we got another golf season up on us, um, and um, it's no surprise what's been happening with junior golf. Uh, as I alluded to in my intro to bringing you on um, about the boom of junior golf, it continues to boom. Your boom with the Play Junior Golf Tour is not geared specifically towards what's been going on with the COVID-19 pandemic over the last year. Obviously, we saw a massive up, uh, uptick in, in junior golfers um, in 2020, mainly because of that and the only thing that they could do. But what you've been doing, you've been doing a lot longer than COVID-19 and you've been growing junior golf uh, your own way. So why don't you tell our listeners, our, our viewers on, on YouTube, a little bit about how the Play Junior Golf Tour got started, how long it's been going on and, and uh, so on. So we started uh, 2014. So this will be year eight. And uh, yeah, <clears throat> COVID grew golf, I think, for a lot of people. Uh, we were growing uh, exponentially before that, which has been very exciting. 2014, I was looking back and we had five events. We had 22 members, maybe a couple other stragglers. So let's go to, to 25. Um, and I used my background. I had a lot of relationships with some of the head pros. Uh, I was in the business for a little bit and, uh, and thought, you know, there are a lot of the events for younger kids were hosted by the CJGA and uh, you know Earl paved in an amazing way for for a lot of junior golf organizations but a lot of them were you know you had to travel to Toronto or Montreal and, and uh, I felt a lot of younger kids especially my son at the time wasn't ready to travel that far so I thought you know let's let's maybe start a little circuit around here we'll get a few of the, the local courses and uh, so I, I put together five events um, my prize tables consisted of dollar store treasures, which it's, it's funny, you know, every kid got a prize and, you know, we had some little awards and, and I made it, even though it was small events, I made sure they felt like they were on the, the PGA tour, or the LPGA tour that, uh, you know, this was the, the real deal. Uh, fast forward to 2020, we were just under... 420 members total. Um, originally, it was going to be a 20-event schedule. Unfortunately, COVID had different plans, and, and but we were able to get 10 off, which considering there was some organizations that just couldn't make it work, uh, we were able to. So the growth has been wonderful. 
uh, you know, I foresee it continuing to go and it's, it's an exciting time for not only golf, but junior golf. That's fantastic, Chris. I mean, I'm, I'm, it's exciting that you've done this because like you said, uh, the CJGA Aerofrets did an amazing job of getting that off the ground and, and, uh, and providing an opportunity for your young juniors to play a highly competitive golf, but that's essentially what, what, uh, CJGA events were all about. Most of them were two day events. They're very highly competitive, um, events and could get you into some USGTA events as, as well. Um, now, obviously, uh, something like this doesn't go without uh, some hiccups along the way. Um, so tell me, why don't you tell us a little bit about some of the struggles and, and speed bumps uh, that you ran into along the way and how you overcame them? Yeah, it, it <clears throat> anything that you're looking to grow, you know, uh, my philosophy has always been if, if you're going to do something, you jump in both feet and both arms and, and hope you can swim and, and get through it. Um, you know, first was establishing some credibility you know, I had built some relationships and, and, you know, a lot of the local PGA of Canada members um, were willing to come on board. The, the difficulty they struggle with is, you know, they're, they're wonderful supporters of junior golf, but access to golf courses, um, like I said, you know, gaining some credibility that it wasn't just a, you know, an afternoon free for all. And, you know, this tour is just trying to fill in gaps that maybe weren't around that was a, that was a struggle. Uh, but again, I, I had so many people come on board and, and support and, and golf courses. And like I said, the, the PGA professionals that helped out over the years and, and recommending kids go give this a try, you know, and it, the big thing was making a platform for every kid, whether you're a beginner, whether you're looking to fill in a schedule, whether you're looking for an event that, would kind of fill in between championships. <clears throat> the PGA pros were very good at, you know, directing them my way um, and, and knew there was a venue and a, and a safe spot for them to, to play. So, uh, and then again, getting some partners and sponsors and, you know, financially to, to get going because a big thing for the tour has always been creating affordable events. Youth sports is, you know, costs a lot. And, you know, you're competing with a lot of other sports, which I do encourage. So keeping entry fees reasonable and low has always been a, a benefit of the tour and, and something it's kind of prided itself on. So awesome. Well, um, on top of those things, I mean, obviously, there's the struggles and the speed bumps along the way. You've overcome that. Uh, the tour has gotten to where it is now. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about, uh, about the events themselves, uh, the, the age ranges of kids, um, the categories that they play in, the tees that they play from. How do the, uh, the Play Junior Golf Tour events maybe differ a little bit from some other events that junior golfers might play in? Yeah, so it's always been about the kids. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I, the team attempts to put together an event that every kid is going to have an opportunity to succeed their success is going to be maybe breaking a hundred maybe their success is going to be not making a 10 every hole um but we we do our very best to go above and beyond uh providing a an experience for the kids so you know when they get there you know we have a registration table where they sometimes get gifts you know our, our team does its very best to know all the kids names and, and welcome them and 
and joke. Uh, you know, we set the golf course up accordingly that, uh, you know, they're playing at yardages that they're going to be able to make good scores, whether that's pars, birdies, bogeys. So there's uh, the course gets set up accordingly. The other thing is, you know, we go uh, two year gap ages. So, um, you know, 10 and 11 year olds played or sorry, 11 and 12 year olds play together, 13, 14 and, and so forth. And the other major difference is we go as young as five years old. And, uh, you know, we have kids that have started at five and they play a tournament of about 1400 yards and, and they come in and they get their hot dog and prize and, and, you know, big high fives from mom and dad. And the other thing is we, uh, we encourage family involvement, whether it's through caddies, volunteers. Uh, we really believe that it's a, it's a family sport and uh, just because they're competing at a high level, their families can still actively be involved in a, in a positive manner. So Chris, um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of just thinking uh, while you're talking there, I was thinking a little bit about the tour and, it, and its growth. And, and I think that that's great what you're doing with respect to setting up the, uh, the courses uh, accordingly, using uh, different yardage ranges for each age category and definitely allowing kids under the age of six to participate or five-year-olds to participate because this is the growth. This is where the game is going. If we don't have the junior golfers, we have no growth. Because uh, we're not all going to stay young forever, unfortunately. Um, now, uh, a little while back, you you um, you expanded the tour a little bit. Originally, the tour was was primarily just the Ottawa region, National Capital Region, and you expanded the tour a little bit down and kind of brought in um, a very well known tour from down in the Kingston area into the fold with uh, Play Junior Golf Tour. So, tell me a little bit about that, uh, just so people know that it's not just in the Ottawa area that they can play. Yeah, the opportunity came up a couple of years ago, the, the St. Lawrence Junior Tour, which has a, a very, very rich tradition of, of fantastic golfers and, and events. They kind of were in change of, of leadership and, and where they were headed. And, uh, you know, I, I saw and, and spoke with Bill Kerr from Black Bear Ridge, and, and they were looking to potentially take it over and, and operate it. So, it was a, an area that I had always hoped to kind of expand, you know, Kingston and, and the Thousand Islands have some wonderful golf courses and, and have produced some very good players as well. So when that opportunity came up, you know, Bill and I had a very good conversation and, and as a PGA Canada pro, he, you know, was busy at the golf course and his team was going to, you know, endure some challenges maybe that I already had potentially some answers, you know, I already had a, a, a website and, and scoring platforms and, and stuff that might have made it a little bit easier. So we had a good chat and, and that amalgamation happened, I think, seamlessly. It, it took a little while to, to change over some of the ways that, you know, the tour was doing things as opposed to they were. But um, I think overall, it's, it's been a very positive move for the tour. And, and uh, you know, we're going to continue to grow that way. Well, that's great. I mean, it's good. I'm, I'm, from originally from Brockville, but I lived half my life in Kingston and uh, my younger brother played on the St. Lawrence Jr. Uh, tour um, as a lot of good players from the Kingston area did a very Absolutely. popular tour. Like you said, a very storied history to that tour. Now, you mentioned before about keeping it um, things affordable. Uh, making sure that uh, that anybody could participate, that it wasn't an overpriced tour. But at the same time, in order to be able to do that, 
Um, that, that comes with having to have sponsors. And you have been quite fortunate that over the, uh, the eight years that you've been doing this, you've had some really good sponsors and you continue to get some, some good sponsorship support as the, as the tour continues to grow. So going into 2021, um, I know you have uh, some, some new sponsorship direction. So why don't you tell, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, some of the new sponsorship direction that you have going forward in, uh, into this season? Yeah, we, like you alluded to, we've been very, very fortunate. A uh, lot of major, major organizations, you know, worldwide organizations have, have come on board as, as well as I never want to sell short. A lot of um, local businesses have, have been major supportive and been with me for, you know, the, the whole journey. So we've been very lucky. Um, one, I do want to mention that uh, we're back again with the One Capital Cup. One Capital Management has been here for, I believe, five years now and supports our year-long race, which, you know, is very similar to the FedEx Cup and, and the LPGA race. So we're very fortunate that way. Um, but yes, for 2021, uh, we have a major partner in Ping coming on board, Dave Wilson and his, his team from Ping Canada. Uh, we had a very good chat. And they're excited to come on board, you know, paying a lot of their values uh, coincide and, and go along with what we believe in, in family and, and making the golfer first. So it was a, a seamless transition. Uh, we have BioSteel that's going to come on board, uh, as well as, as a few other major partners that are still in the works. Nice. Now, uh, you and I have been talking uh, leading up to this interview and um and as, as the magazine, Flags the Golf magazine, being part of uh, the Eastern Ontario National Capital Region for 25 years now, this is uh, our 25th anniversary year, um, we've been watching what you've been doing. We've been covering your events and, and giving as much exposure as, as we can to the, uh, to the tour um, and seen it develop. Uh, Scott and I have had numerous conversations about what you're doing, and we've known you for a while. Um, and, uh, and was, I was quite excited and quite happy to be able to extend to you the fact that we, we are going to come on as, uh, in 2021 as your official media partner. Yeah. And it's something that, uh, you know, we've been looking for, for a while, uh, uh, another organization that, uh, can help grow and, and foster, you know, local golf. And, and you guys have been doing that for like you said, 25 years. So um, we on the tour couldn't be more excited. And I know the kids and their families are going to benefit greatly from this relationship. So I can't say thank you enough, Jeff. Well, it's not a problem at all. And we're really excited to be a part of it and, and to see what we can, what we can lend in to, to help you continue to grow the tour to where you want it to be and to follow your vision. Um, before I let you go, why don't you give us the, uh, the web address so that the kids, uh, parents, the kids can, can go to the website and, and sign up for the tour. Yeah. So it's uh, www.pjgtour.com. Um, our 2021, I've received many emails. Our schedule is very close to, to complete. I, I, could have released it maybe last week, but we're still uh, getting a few courses in. We're hoping to have about 18 events. Um, so my hope is by tomorrow at this time, we will release our 2021 schedule, which I think uh, there's going to be a lot of happy family families when they see uh, what's being offered. So, um, and then from the website, you can sign up um, 
the good thing about this tour that I, I didn't mention, but there's no membership fee. So you can play one event, you can play 10 events, you can play all 18 events. Uh, again, it's, it's about getting involved and, and a platform for, for every kid. That's great, Chris. Uh, thanks again for, uh, for taking some time to come on uh, the 613 Golfer podcast and talk to us about the Play Junior Golf Tour. Again, we're really excited to be a part of it this year, and uh, we're very excited to see um, where you can take this tour in the future. Thanks again. Thanks a lot, Jeff. I appreciate it. No problem. Well, that really is uh, uh, such a feel-good story. In fact, both my guests today exude passion that they have for the game in different facets, all my, mind you, but their passion for what they do is the reason for their successes. Uh, a bit like us at Flagstick, um, it's not just uh, it's not just a business to us, and it hasn't been. We've been doing this for 25 years. It's not it's not just a business. It's a passion for the game. It's a passion to see the game grow. It's a passion to see our clients uh, and, the, and those that aren't our clients have success. And if we can be a small part of that by getting the information out there and talking about these facilities and talking about these events and talking about these tours and these golfers and profiling these people, that's what excites us. Yeah, there's been hiccups along the way. There's been times when you kind of think, geez, you know, I mean, financially, does this make a whole lot of sense to keep doing this? You know, we're just, it's a down year, it's a down stretch of years. But it's the passion, it's the passion inside uh, to see this game evolve and grow that keeps us going. So um, Chris and, and Lee exude that same passion for what they do, whether it's retail or whether it's seeing junior golf, uh, you know, grow. Um, it's, it's exciting to see and it's exciting to be a part of that. So um, very excited to move, uh, move forward uh, with Chris and the, uh, and the Play Junior Golf Tour in 2021 and hopefully beyond. Um, now let's shift gears a little bit here. There are three signs of the golf season arriving. At least in my mind, there's three signs of the golf season arriving. We get to this point during the year, we're like, okay, I just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting at it. The outdoor rinks are melting. The weather's getting a little warmer. You start to see a little bit of grass creeping through and, and you're like, okay, it, is it here? Is it here? Well, look, there's three signs. Number one, the golf expo, the golf, golf expo kicks off the season. That's happening right now. Second, Flagstick dropping the spring edition. It's not out there yet, but it will be coming very, very soon. So there's number two. And number three, the Kevin Haim Golf Center, clearing off the range, opening up the tee decks and welcoming golfers to start practicing and hitting balls. The expo is around until midnight this Sunday, the 14th. The spring edition of Flagstick will be out on April the 15th digitally, but it will be out. And Kevin Haim is opening the golf center this weekend on Friday. So buckle up golfers, the golf season is here. So you're gonna have to book, you're gonna have to book a spot just like you did last year. And I guarantee there's gonna be so many people looking to play uh, that, uh, or to hit balls that you're, you're gonna have to make sure you get in there nice and early and get your spot because it's gonna be jammed right up. Uh, now, before we, uh, before we close out the show, I just want to bring uh, people up to speed on a couple of things. Number one, uh, since the last episode uh, of this podcast, and that's only been less than a week, uh, the Flagstick Open, um, just giving you a little update there, the Flagstick Open is almost at capacity. Uh, so we have, uh, we've, I, I, it's amazing, we're well over 100 registrants uh, for this year's event. Uh, we're March 10th 
11th, 12th, you know, this week. Uh, by the time by the time uh, we uh, we get to May, uh, we're going to be on a waiting list situation. So we're working on expanding the size of the field a little bit to accommodate some people. Uh, so you know, get your registrations in flagstickopen.com. Get your registrations in, and uh, and uh, we'll hopefully we can make sure we get everybody into the field. Now, we're also looking at possibly having a couple of more events. We're looking specifically at one. Uh, one or two in the fall, uh, a couple of team events, um, hopefully something specifically for ladies. Uh, we're doing a little bit of research and a little bit of, uh, of uh, getting some feedback from some, some prominent ladies, uh, ladies that uh, golf the competitive scene in the uh, 613 to get their input on some things. Um, another men's team event and possibly event in an event in the summer. So uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, there will be announcements and stuff once we have a better understanding of, uh, of uh, what we're doing and uh, when the registrations will open for those events and where they're going to be. So um, yeah, that's about it for me for this week. I want to thank Lee Tamborano and Chris Veltkamp for coming on. Uh, I want to remind you to visit flagstick.com. You will find uh, this podcast both in audio form and uh, the youtube video form there for you to to view or listen to uh subscribe to the audio version on spotify right now not on apple podcasts yet we're working on that we will get that done uh but for now spotify or flagstick.com uh, if you're watching us on youtube remember to subscribe we're trying to get those subscriptions up we want to make sure you get every episode click like and make sure you get notified when we drop a new a new uh, edition uh, of the of the show uh, by clicking the little notification bell in the corner um, and uh, you'll make sure you get every episode that we can that we produce thanks again for spending some time with me uh, again this week on 613 golfer uh, we will talk soon and remember always go for the stick